I, I've been excited all week long for this message, and um, it's got two titles. So you can write down the titles if you want, or you can just memorize them or, or whatever, but it's got two titles. The first one I thought was really cool, so I gave it, and the second one is more like practical. So the first one is this, okay? But so if how. But so if how. Like a lot of conjunctions in there, I know. But so if how is the first title. The real title, I guess, would be this. One of the scariest things I can imagine. If you've been following my Twitter or our Facebook or whatever, you probably know where this is going. But the title of this is one of the scariest things I can imagine. I think this is great for Halloween, right? Welcome to Church Project where we scare the... Never mind. Okay. One of the scariest things I can imagine. What I hope we get today is our walk away is this. Jesus fights on your behalf. It's pretty simple. I mean, Jesus fights on your behalf. I know if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard that a thousand times. Um, I know that as you read the Bible, you see this as well. I just got to believe that if you're anything like me, there's some weeks where you get it. And there's some weeks when you just don't, you just don't understand it and you can't comprehend it. This is one of those weeks that this passage I'm about to read grabbed me and slapped me. And so my prayer is that it grabs you and slaps you and that you walk away today knowing that Jesus fights on your behalf. Let's read uh, this passage right here, Psalms 81, verses 10 through 16. And I'm going to read it out of a couple different versions. The first one, you can follow along on, on you version, and is NIV, and it's the old school NIV, version 84, 1984. I'm too cheap to update, so anyways. And our Bibles back there are all old school NIV, so there you go. We're staying with that for a while. Um, verse 10, you can read along if you want, or you can just follow along. Here it is. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Those who hate the Lord would cringe before Him, and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat from the honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. Okay. That was a quick little run through. I want to read it through um, in the message version. Because as I was reading this and as I was studying the different versions and stuff, occasionally what I do is pick up the message version because it seems to reword things a little differently sometimes and put it in a different context, a different thought for me. So here's the message version. And maybe just close your eyes. Maybe just think about this. But this is God speaking directly to you. Directly to you, okay? I am God. You are God. The very God who rescued you from doom in Egypt, then fed you all you could eat, filled your hungry stomachs. But my people didn't listen. Israel paid no attention. So I let go of the reins and told them, run, do it on your own. Oh, dear people, will you listen to me now? Israel, will you stop? Or Israel, will you follow my map? I'll make short work of your enemies. Give, give your foes the back of my hand. I'll send the God-haters cringing like dogs, never to be heard from again. You'll feast on my fresh-baked bread, spread with butter and rock-pure honey. I love this. 
I want us to walk away today knowing that Jesus fights on your behalf. And we're going to walk through the but so if hows and one of the scariest things I can imagine. There's a story that I came across this week, and, and it's a great story. Maybe you've heard it. It's an ultimate love story. And the story kind of goes like this. There's a, there's a man, and he has a son. Okay, the man loves his son a whole lot. I mean, he, he loves his son. He loves his family. And this man works his hands every day to provide for his family. I mean, he cuts his hands. He gets calluses. He works the land. He loves his son, and he loves his family. God continues to bless this man and he has an abundance of resources and stuff and the son's growing up seeing how hard this man works and how hard this man is trying to provide for his family and how hard his father loves him. Well, one day the son grows up and he gets to the point where where he's of age and, and he goes, you know what, dad, I love you and I love being here, but I think I can do a little better. So if you would, I know you've got a bunch of money set aside for me. I I know you do. And if you would, I would like to take that money and go try to do life on my own. The father looks at him and says, are you sure? Is this what you want? The son says, yeah, this is what I want. So the father writes him a big old check, gives him a pile of cash and says, okay, I'm praying for you and I love you, son. I just want you to know that. Well, the son goes off and he goes to the big city and buys all the fancy clothes. He does whatever. He starts partying. He has a great time. He's going through the cash. He's going through the money like crazy until one day he wakes up. And one day he doesn't even realize it. He just kind of slips into it. But he wakes up and he's, he's drunk in an alley. He realizes he doesn't, he doesn't have any home. He realized he has addictions. He realized that he's been broken. He's spent all his money. He is just, he's a slobbering mess in the alley. It's raining. It's cold. And he realizes, this is my life? I'm out of everything? And I can't help but think, but back home, the people that work for my dad, they're eating better than I am. I can't help but think, the people that work for my dad, he's providing for them. He's protecting for them. And I can't help but think, I want to go back home. So what does he do? He sends an email to his dad, a text to his dad, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Half scared of what his dad's going to do because he blew all his money. He's ended up broken, addicted, and a waste of life in his point of view. So he goes home and, and dad got the email. Dad got the text. He's so excited. He, he tells everyone that works for him. He tells his entire family, man, go get the best food, the best clothes, we're, the best wine. I mean, we're partying because, because so-and-so is coming home. So as the son comes home, he comes home broken, he comes home with diseases, he comes home scarred, he comes home with a lot of consequences from the choices that he's made. And his father says, I love you. Welcome home. It's the story of what? Luke chapter 15. It's the prodigal story with a little twist and turns in it, okay? But it's the the prodigal story. And I think about that, and this right here is our love story. This is our love story. We have the same story. This is a paralleling story of our life and the life of this son. This is our life. Especially as we look at Psalms 81 and we look at verses 10 through whatever. Okay, we look at this and we think of that story. And it is our story. Jesus loves us and he's fighting on our behalf. So let's pick this apart a little bit and, and just start in verse 10, okay? Verse 10 of Psalms 81 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. 
And we just read the message version, and part of the message version, the way they said, um, who brought you up out of Egypt was rescued you. And I love that message, rescued you. I am God who rescued you. See, the Israelites right here were in Egypt. They were slaves to Pharaoh. And, and Jesus said, I've set you free. I've rescued you. You once were slaves, and now you are free. I brought you up out of Egypt. Have you ever been in need of rescue? Have you? I have. And, and I've watched even my, my family. I can think back to uh, a time that God really protected us. And we were driving over Monarch and a, a truck slid out of control and smashed our car. Not too bad, but it was bad. And, and I remember, you know, those split seconds where I'm thinking, okay, are my, is my family okay? Is my daughter okay? I remember those split seconds. And I, I remember almost to my horror when I realized that, okay, Audra's good, great. Zoe's good, great. Um, Lauren, not so good. Not, that's not good. And I remember at that point thinking, there's no money that would keep me from anything I need to do to make sure my wife is taken care of. We need a rescue right here. We need someone to help us. It was funny how God brought like the first people on the scene were some preschool teachers that could watch Zoe and Audra. The next people on the scene, of course, is the doctor, the surgeon, making tons of money from Denver, coming back from a ski trip. And I remember sitting there thinking, God, we need rescued. Like, we need you. As my wife is fighting for breath, we need you. Have you ever been in a spot where you're like, God, we need you? I remember back when I was in college, and a little, a little more stupid than I am now, okay? I, I, was, I was into free climbing. I love free climbing. Getting really high on rocks and, and almost falling to your death. And, and I remember, I don't know, I was maybe 20 feet. Not a lot. But I was up there, and it started raining. And I remember thinking, uh-oh, this isn't good. Rock is slippery. I have no ropes. I could die. And I remember one of those prayers where it was like, God, please, if you get me off this, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Like, I, I am stuck here, and I am in desperate need of being rescued. Have you ever been in a spot where you've needed rescued? It's a point that's so humbling. And we cry out to God with all our might. Think about the Israelites as they are slaves in Egypt. Think about it. They're crying out to God. They're fasting. They're praying. They're saying, God, rescue us from this. This is destroying us. We're watching our kids die. We need rescued. And God rescues them. And so as he comes in Psalms 81, and, and, and the Psalms, this is writing and singing this song, because this is a song right here, and he's singing, and, and he's saying, who brought us up out of Egypt. Think that. Conjure up the emotions of what it is when you've needed rescued and God's rescued you. God has done that. He's brought him up out of Egypt. Okay, let's continue. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Then we get to verse 11, and this word always gets us, Danny, doesn't it? But, but, my people would not listen to me. Would not listen. And the message version said, paid no attention. Think about this. God, who saved the Israelites, rescued them from death, from slavery, stopped listening to God. Stop paying attention to God. Sometimes I get so stubborn and prideful, I've got to learn it my hard way. The hard way. Verse 11, But my people would not listen to me, Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own 
devices. That is the scariest thing I can think of. In essence, God let go of the reins. said, okay, Israelites, I loved you so much that I rescued you. I've been feeding you. I've been taking care of you. But you're so stubborn, you want to do it on your own. Okay, I love you. I'll let go of the reins, and I'll let you do it on your own. How does that sit with you? Thinking, knowing that God has rescued you. And yet, my own stubbornness can cause God to go, Okay, Aaron, let's see what's up. Let's see how you do with this. The Israelites, if you know the story, wandered for 40 years. I mean, Jesus rescued them. He took them to the Jordan. They're looking at the promised land, and they're ready to go. But their own stubbornness, not being willing to listen to God, kept them from going across the river. And what happened? They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Think about our lives. God's rescued us. Wouldn't our lives be different if we would just listen to God all the time? I can think back in times in my life, even recently, where God said, Okay, Aaron, go ahead and wander for 40 years. It's not what I want for you. But your stubbornness and not willing to listen to my voice and submit to me, it leaves me no option. i got to let you go. I, got, I love you so much, i got to let you go. But man, that's not what I wanted for you. Think about our lives, how they would be different if we lived out our lives submitting to God all the time. Like the prodigal son, eating out of a dumpster, addicted and broken, that's me. I've had to learn the hard way multiple times in my life. I'm just stubborn enough, and I imagine you are, I'm just stubborn enough to watch what I want to watch on TV. I'm just stubborn enough to justify what I want to be and do. I'm just stubborn enough to think that I am a self-made man and I can do this on my own, on my own strength. I'm just stubborn enough to live life on my own terms. Are you? I think it's in all of us that we can be just stubborn enough to justify living life on our terms. All along, God's going, child, child, would you just listen? Man, I've got so much more for you. God still loves me though. Even when I find myself in that alley, broken, addicted, He says, I love you so much. Now there's consequences to your choices. But I still love you. I can think of an illustration of this. I, we have a, a, a good friend. And she was a stripper in Texas. She grew up in a Christian home, made choices, which led her to being a stripper in Texas. Was living a broken life. I mean, I can't even imagine. Well now, like a prodigal son, she's returned and said, God, I'm sorry for this. And he goes, it's okay. I mean, I can't like just take all those consequences away and you're going to be dealing with stuff and images and, and guilt and stuff probably the rest of your life. I can't take those consequences away. can't. But I can cover you. And I can make you new. And I can love you like I've never loved you before. Like the prodigal son returning home. She, the stripper, returned home. And I think it's so awesome. This is just how Jesus works. 
that very thing that was broken and addicted in her, now she writes, she's writing a book, and she speaks to young ladies who are going down a path that she went down. And she's saying, don't, don't do it. And she cries out to them. See, she can speak to people that I've never been able to speak to, and I probably will never be able to speak to. She can relate in areas that I could never. See, the consequences of her choices, she's going to carry with her. But God even redeems those bad choices. And he says, you were broken, you were there. You were a stripper. Okay, you've come back. I love you. I've killed the best calf possible. You get the best stuff because I love you. You are my child, and I love you. I'm stubborn enough to run away from God and not to submit to Him and to not listen to Him. But He so loves me. The scariest part is in verse 12. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. I let go of the reins, let them live life on their own. But the happiest verse is verse 13. If my people would but listen to me. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies? Does he say, if, if you'd come back to me, eventually down the line, it's going to be okay? He says, if but Aaron would just listen to me, how quickly I would subdue all the enemies. I am Jesus and I am fighting on your behalf. If you would but listen to me, all these things that are broken in you, all these addictions, everything that's in there, if you would but listen to me, if you would surrender to me and follow me, I've covered that and I'm fighting for you. I, you are not on your own. I am Jesus and I am fighting for you. If you would but listen to me. Is that exciting to you? That brings joy to my heart. Knowing that I was the prodigal son. I was the one that lived life on my own. I was the one that said, thank you for saving me. Give me my, give me my money. I'm going to go live life on my own. I find myself in the dumpster eating trash, addicted and broken. And Jesus says, if you would but listen to me, I will subdue, break. I will set you free. I will give you hope and I will give you purpose. Kierkegaard um, is, is, a, is a great dude, philosopher, and, and he writes some incredible stuff. And I want to I read a section here, okay? In Kierkegaard Provocations, it says this, It is dangerous business to arrive in eternity with possibilities that you have prevented from becoming actualities. Possibility is a hint from God. A person must follow it. The possibility for the highest in every soul, you must follow it. If God does not want it, then let Him hinder it. You must not hinder it yourself. Trusting in God, I have ventured out and I have failed. There is peace and rest and confidence in that. I have not ventured. It is an utterly unhappy thought, a torment for all eternity. And Kierkegaard is talking about possibilities and he's talking about hope and he's talking about choices. And what he's talking about is almost the what ifs. The what ifs can haunt us the rest of our life. You know the questions that we ask? What if I'd have done this? Or what if I'd have walked in this? Or what if I would have listened to God's voice along the way? Maybe I wouldn't have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Maybe I wouldn't be broken. The possibilities are endless when we're listening to Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at this next section. Okay? So, verse 12, So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. This is kind of like that elementary playground talk. You know, my dad can beat your dad up. I mean, it's like, this is what is going on here. How quickly I will subdue your enemies. Verse 15, those who hate the Lord would, would cringe before Him, and their punishment would last forever. Verse 16, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. I want to end on the I will satisfy you. It's easy to take this little passage right here and to really make it selfish for us. Thank God, what are you going to do for me? Like, what are you going to do? This life's about me, what are you going to do? It's easy to take this passage out of context. It's hard when we look at the last couple words. I would satisfy you. Can you truly say that you are satisfied in all aspects of life? Some days I can. Some days I can't. Some days I'm walking around on pins and needles about ready to erupt on people's faces. My family know when, that, when those days are, are here. They happen often. They try not to, but sometimes they do. I'm not satisfied that day. You know those days when I want to destroy somebody? Usually what's happening? I'm not submitting to God. I'm not really listening. Like I'm living on the surface. I'm living on the worries of, of finances. Or I'm, I'm living on the worries or the concerns of Aaron's heart. I'm not listening. I'm not subdued. I'm not, I'm not seeking God that day. Those are the days. Those are the days I'm not satisfied. How about you? Are, are you living and saying that you are truly satisfied? See, the Israelites, as, as God saved them and delivered them to the promised land, they're looking at it. They don't trust God. They're not listening to God. He says, okay, sorry. They start wandering for 40 years. But even in their wandering, what happens? God loves them even in their wandering. What does He do? He provides manna for them. He provides everything they need, even in their worst choices. So what do we have to worry about? Even in our worst case scenario, God is still taking care of us. He's providing manna for us. Is it the best? No. Is He providing? Absolutely. Do you, are you satisfied in who Jesus is? Have you surrendered your life to Him? I want to read this again in the message version and I want you to think about this, okay? Because this is our story, our absolute love story and this is how much God is chasing after us. I'm God. You're God. The very God who rescued you from doom in Egypt. Then fed you all you could eat, filled your hungry stomachs. But my people didn't listen. Israel paid no attention. So I let go of the reins and told them, run. Do it your own way. Oh, dear people, would you listen to me now? Israel, will you follow my map? I'll make short work of your enemies. Give your foes the back of my hand. I'll send the God-haters cringing like dogs, never to be heard from again. 
You'll feast on my fresh baked bread spread with butter and rock pure honey. You know what? I will satisfy you. I want us to kind of think about this for a second. What ways right now are you living life on your own terms? Doing things your way. Today, maybe God's prompting in you, because He prompted in me as I was studying this, that you need to ask God for forgiveness for something. Because He's rescued you, and you've stopped listening. Maybe there's someone even in here that we need to ask forgiveness from. And it's not hard to get our life off of the track of Jesus. It's just simply we stop listening and little by little we look up and we don't even know where we're at. So maybe today's a day where we can align something again. I mean, only you know what it is. Maybe there's something that's just not right. An area that you've just kind of given up in or stopped fighting in or haven't listened to God in. And little by little, Satan's taken that and he's distorted that piece of life. So I want us to go into just a time of, of um, just singing. It's like a victory song here. Victory songs bragging in Jesus saying, God, thank you for rescuing us. And even greater than that, thank you for forgiving me and welcoming me back, loving me. God, you're everything. You fight on my behalf. Incredible. Incredible. You fight on my behalf. You give my foes the back of your hand and slap them, send them like dogs running away. God, thank you. I need that. I can't do that on my own. And where this really gets personal for all of us, just picture yourself. I mean, picture yourself in an alley, homeless, getting cold, eating trash. And then picture yourself finally getting to the point where you've had enough. And you get up, and you start walking home. Just picture this. And picture your father right there in the best dressed clothes saying, I love you. I've always loved you. I'm so glad you're back home. I'm sorry the world has beat you up. I'm sorry there's consequences. But it doesn't matter. Let's go forward today. And you say, God, I want to, but I've done this and this. And he says, that's okay. And you want to keep going forward, but you say, God, I've spent all this money. I've lived life on my terms. I've done it the wrong way. I'm broken. I have diseases. I have consequences. And he goes, shh. I love you. Let's go eat. Let's go hang out. I want to show you how much I love you. And I want to show you how much I love the world you live in. So what's it for you today? What are you holding back from God? What do you need to have forgiveness for? I want to ask us to stand.
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us, we're just going to go into a time of, of singing these victory songs. In the back, we have our communion. And maybe you haven't taken communion in a while. And man, it's just beautiful. Just go back and think about how Jesus has saved you and rescued you. You can grab a piece of the bread that represents his body. You can dip it in the grape juice that represents his blood. And you can thank him for what that means in our life, in your life personally. You can um, go back there and you can worship him through your giving. Uh, by giving to what God's doing here, your tithe and your offerings. You can go back there and, and you can write a prayer request or a commitment card. Maybe God's doing something in your heart. You know, that's the stuff we want to know. That's the encouraging stuff. Because I know that God doesn't bring this body together without having a reason and a purpose and change. So share that with us. We want to pray and celebrate that with you. Maybe this is just a time where you sit there and cry and say, Thank you, God. I don't know what this is for you, but let's worship Him. God, thank You for bringing us here. Thank You for rescuing us. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for being our everything. And God, thank You for fighting on our behalf.